Welcome to One, a new media platform that highlights interesting personalities and their endeavors. This is a series brought to you by Carbon, which is a profit-driven social impact enterprise that creates blueprints of successful businesses that are used to generate franchises or quote-unquote carbon copies that empower communities around the world to achieve social and economic prosperity by implementing our economies in a box. We are focused on advancing education, women's resiliency, and resource efficiency, food, energy, and water. One is centered on the concept that a single individual can change the face of the world and impact humanity. There is cause and effect to all of our actions, and they can send ripples through generations to follow. One is about authentic individuals, inspiring stories, career advice, adventures, and passions. And you are hosted by Shane Baramalay, and I am a co-founder and managing partner of Carbon. This is Jason Wang, student at Indiana University. This is Akib Mohammed, student at Indiana University. This is the power of one. I hope you enjoy. You can find out more about us at www.carbongroup.global. You can also find us on social media, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Twitter. All right, we are joined by actually one of our co-hosts, Akeem Mohammed, who is going to be our guest today on One. Thank you for joining us today, Akeem. Yeah, no problem. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Well, we're super excited. You know, we're just getting this thing kicked off and thought it'd be uh, interesting to hear everybody's story. And, uh, yeah, we just have a bunch of questions. We'd love to hear more about you, your background, and everything like that. Jason, our co-host, is on as well. Say hello. What's up, guys? I'm, uh, I'm Jason. Awesome. So let's just get right to it. Akeem, why don't you uh, tell us a little about yourself? Where do you come from? Where were you born? How were you raised? So this is this is a very unique question, honestly. Well, it's kind of unique to me. Most people assume I'm from somewhere in the east, uh, far east, like Asia or something, but they're they're sadly mistaken. I'm actually from a country in uh, South America called Guyana. It's a very small country towards the northwest. It's bordered by Venezuela, Suriname, and Brazil. We only have a population of 750,000 people, so it's relatively small. And although I was born there, I only spent two years there, and I moved to New York when I was two. And I spent about eight years there living in Binghamton, New York, where my dad was doing his Ph.D. And I had some great experiences in Binghamton. Um, I met some great people that helped me kind of uh, break out and discover soccer. I discovered soccer there. Soccer is one of the defining uh is one of the defining aspects about me. There was this family there that introduced me to soccer, and from there they just saw how good I could have been. And then from there, I found myself in Richmond, Indiana. Um, and, uh, I moved there in, fit, in the fifth grade. My dad got a position teaching at Indiana University East. Um, Shane, you're actually from Richmond too, right? I am, yep, born and raised. That's and believe it or not, I'm also from Guyana. Uh, I know we haven't really talked much about that, but um, we're very much one and the same. Yeah, exactly. It's honestly unique to have two people from Guyana living in Richmond, a town of only 30,000 people. It's honestly crazy to think about. Well, trust me, when I was growing up, I was the only kind of brown person in my school. (laughs) Um, So we had a lot of, you know, normal whites, uh, African-Americans, and then, you know, we had a fair decent uh, uh, Indian population as well you know, that were mostly working at the hospital and the university. Um, but I don't know if it's the same for you. Uh, it's kind of been like we were kind of cast out from every single one of those groups, just 
you know, we weren't part of the same caste system and, you know, the African-Americans and the whites didn't really know what, what I was. And, uh, you know, I had to pay my toll for that. No, exactly. I had to go through, I had to go through some similar experiences to that. I felt like I was never part of that. I, I was always cast out, but I did find a group. Um, and I found this group through soccer, playing uh, high school soccer at the, at the high school. It was a group of Latinos and I just, I just felt I fit in with them so much. We, so the team was kind of run by, you know, uh, the whiter kids and stuff. But I saw this, but as there was transitioning from my, uh, my sophomore to junior year, I saw an opportunity to take a leadership kind of role in my team. And I, and I kind of created a circle of people that I wanted to be, that I wanted to, uh, that could help me push myself to become captain of the team. And that's what I did. And, but I used soccer. And like you said, it was kind of tough growing up in Richmond being, you know, Guyanese. We're different from everybody. It's not like we have similarities with, we have some similarities, but we're not exactly fit into the same category, same box as other people are. So I use soccer to kind of, to kind of mesh with other people and to make myself known because I felt like I was always looked down upon. But with soccer, I really, really excelled. I made sure I was, that I was always outside after school playing soccer, making sure I kept get, kept getting better and better. And as I got better, the less people could tell me. Uh, could step on me or tell me certain things because I had something of my own and I was making I was making something of myself, you know. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Do you like? Do you still play soccer, like recreationally? I guess. Yeah, I do still play some soccer recreation recreationally, but it's kind of tougher to play once you're in college because it's there's 22 people on the field, so getting 20 uh, 21 <laughs> other college students out there uh, at a um, at a certain time is kind of hard. So I transitioned transitioned to boxing. And I know you box too, and we we boxed we've boxed at the same gym, uh, B Town Boxing, but we've never crossed paths there, right? Yeah, I don't think I ever like saw you there, which is kind of sad, but like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's it's honestly it's one of, it's after discovering boxing after soccer, I really fell in love with it, and it's another way for me to kind of get some stress out after going to class, and maybe before a big test, I can go out there and hit the bag. So, like, what got you into like how did you kind of stumble into boxing then? Because it's pretty different from soccer. Yeah, it's it's actually really different from soccer, but I'm a huge Floyd Mayweather fan. I really really like him. Uh, his values of, I mean, he's kind of he's very extravagant. He's very and he he kind of says some stuff that he shouldn't. But I think when he gets into the ring and he he shows that different type of personality than when he's outside the ring. He has his hard work and dedication, kind of precision inside the ring. It's different than when he's outside, you know, driving those fancy cars, talking nonsense. <laughs> I kind of like that he's able to make that switch. Yeah. Do you have like a favorite like Mayweather fight that you that you enjoy to watch? Um, favorite Mayweather fight. I think my favorite Mayweather fight would have to be uh, Hatton when he hit him with the uh, was oh the check the, hook the check hook yeah exactly yeah exactly. He ran into the yeah. post yeah so I think yeah, like yeah, yeah. that was an interesting fight though too because he retired after I mean he's retired he, twice like or three times twice yeah. He, he fought Pacquiao too, right? Was that after or before? That was after. He fought Pacquiao. It was like the second to last fight in the Showtime deal. Um, that was like 2014, 2015. Um, yeah, but yeah, Floyd, man, he's a different beast. Especially at that time, like I don't think anybody, anybody could really figure him out. And I think that's what he made it. What made him so great was kind of like the idea that a lot of people thought that he was just a defensive fighter, but he had the ability to adapt to any opponent, and that's kind of what made him successful. So I mean. And he's 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 definitely got an extravagant, wild, bold personality. I think that's what definitely sets him apart as well. 
Um, would, would you say, Akib, that you encompass some of those same qualities? Because based on what you just said, I mean, I, you kind of exemplify very similar traits. Yeah, exactly. I like to, you know, I like to go out and, and have fun with my friends and, like, you know, just talk about crap and just have banter and stuff. <laughs> but when it comes to, like, school or soccer or sports, man, I become a different animal. I kind of, I just, I, a switch turns off for me. I love that. I love that I'm able to kind of get out of my zone and then get into the zone when I need to. I love the I love to, the complete focus and just grind away. You know, I kind of think that's how I resemble Floyd Mayweather, and that's some, that's why I really really like him. Would you say you kind of use that to get through some of the challenges you had growing up in our hometown? Because I know I yeah. did. Yeah, exactly, man. I had to put my head down and really show people that I'm capable of doing stuff, so, doing something. You know, I'm sure. And yeah, exactly, like what you were saying. And soccer was my kind of way to do that. But after, but the life after soccer, I've now figured out that academics is now my way to do it. And, and, um, with my passion for finance, it's helping me to kind of use what I learned from soccer and bring it into my academic life now. Um, in soccer, I was always, I was always trying to be a leader. I was always trying to study the game. Every single day I was working on my game. But it wasn't just I was focusing on myself. I was also focusing on my teammates a lot. I, I knew my teammates. Some of my teammates hadn't, hadn't played soccer once before they joined the high school team. But I, I wanted to make sure that they were, they were going to be good and they were going to be good enough to go out on the field for all of us, you know? Yeah, man. No, I get it. And I, you, from what I heard, I think you were actually pretty good. I mean, you were moving up in the ranks. Um, why would you kind of stop that? I mean – I can't really say for myself because, look, I did a lot of cycling and swimming, but when I got to college, I knew I wasn't going to be a pro athlete by any means, but I knew I could study and kind of find my way out of there. Yeah, that's a, that's actually a great question, man. Um, so this is kind of comes from mistakes. So when I was in when I was a freshman in high school, I was really, really good, man. Um, I don't like to toot my own horn here, but I was good. But what happened was... I became, I was too good for myself. Like I stopped working hard. I stopped training hard from that so, uh, freshman to sophomore year. And I kind of dropped off. But then sophomore year, I was like, man, I got to pick it back up. And I picked that back up and I, I got really good again for my, uh, my junior year. But then again, I rested on my laurels. I, I didn't, I didn't train as, as I should have. I thought I, I was already good enough to, you know, play college when I should I could have kept working harder and harder. And I knew, and I knew I could have been further than what I had gotten in soccer. So, I mean, I've learned. And, and then, so as my senior year, I did get recruited to go play for Earlham. And again, I made the mistake of not, of believing I was better than everybody or, uh, better than I need. Um, I didn't need to train anymore, you know, to succeed there, but I was, I was, uh, gravely mistaken. Um, but I'd worked hard, uh, halfway through the Earlham season and I ended up getting back to like where I, where I should have been. But by that time, I think it was kind of too late for me. I, I made too many mistakes in terms of my soccer career, but I don't want to make those same mistakes in my finance career. So I've made these mistakes and now I know what to, to, I know I need to learn and never to just, never just to rest on how good I've become, but to keep wanting to get better and better. Yeah, I can tell you this. So you know, I remember several people I went to school with at, at high school, they won state, they were the top of nationals, everything. But the minute they went to IU or any college setting, you know, there's now an entire team of people just like them. And that becomes very real 
And I can tell you guys and any, anybody you guys listening that the exact same thing is once you enter the workforce. You can be the smartest. Look, I was the top of my class. Uh, I was like the lead, and I think in our honors program at the Kelly School. But then I go into an investment banking job, and there's literally, you know, 300 others that are just like me with very similar credentials, et cetera. And, you know, that, then you really realize how, how leveled that playing field can get very, very quickly. Jason, I don't know if you've had anything like that in your life, too, with um, some of the sports you do. Oh, absolutely. I think, like, I mean, not just with sports, but, like, with school for me especially. Like, I remember coming in from Ithaca, like, which is a pretty good high school. You know, we fed right into Cornell University. So I obviously came in thinking that I was going to be like, – I'm being completely honest when I say this. Like, I came in and I honestly thought that I was going to be the smartest kid at IU. And obviously that's the dumbest thing to think. Like, no one should ever, ever, ever think that. And I remember, like, I just looked down on everybody for some reason. I was, like, super cocky, super just arrogant about who I was. And then I met, like, this group of kids, you know, that also wanted to do investment banking. And then you see these kids, perfect SAT scores, perfect ACT scores, interning at, like, this one kid I know interned at NASA. And there's all these kids with super special talents all here for different reasons. And I realized, like, I'm actually, like, not even – I'm not the smartest. I'm not even close to being the smartest, right? There's so many people that are above me. And I think once you kind of – embrace the the idea that you know it's it's hard to be the best at anything in the world you know it's hard to be like even in that like top one percent um once you are kind of accepting of that you start to realize that you know there's always more work to be done there's always room for improvement and i think i mean one of my friends one of his quotes is like he's always he's always says like oh i'm always happy but never satisfied so you should be like no definitely be proud of what you've accomplished and i am proud of what i've accomplished but i'm always you know looking to do more and accomplish more yeah, well, that's exactly. funny. We all kind of share the same lessons learned. So I guess, Akib, this this really then uh, sets up the question then, right? So we literally just found out we're all kind of all made from very similar fabric, use the same things to drive us, blah, blah, blah. You know, what, what makes you so different then? What, what sets you apart from the rest? I think what makes me different is that I've made these mistakes, but – but with these mistakes, I've made – I'm not going to lie to you guys. I make a lot of mistakes. But I never – I'll never let these mistakes define who I am. I'm going to keep on pushing myself, keep going. I mean my path to get to IU is not traditional, and that's another thing that makes me unique. I'm not the orthodox type of person. I left high school to play college soccer at Earlham. I left Earlham after a semester to go to IU East. And while I was IU East, I was actually abroad in Guyana taking classes online for eight months. And then I spent another semester at IU East when I got back, and then I was finally able to make it to IU. And when I got to IU, I put my head down, and I really, I really, really focused on my academics. And, and with this unorthodox uh, path and being able to and, – and knowing and uh, having such experiences about going abroad and seeing different places and learning about other people's lives, and then just making sure I don't make the same mistakes that I, that I did – uh, in the, um, in my previous days. No, it makes sense. I get it. So yeah. then, with all that, yeah, you know, what what do you want to become? What's your what's your goals? I want to become an investment banker. Um, that's why that's my goal. Why I, on earth does the world need <laughs> another investment banker? <laughs> I want to be. <laughs> Man, you were an investment banker. I know. This is why I can ask the question, and that's why we need another one. Yeah. Um, I want to become an investment banker because I feel 
the skills and experiences you learn through it, through the process, will make you a much, much better business person. I, I like the, I like to be in competitive environments because I feel that's when you actually you actually begin to grow. Uh, competition uh, breeds success, and that's what I've always believed in. So I want to be in a competitive environment and continue to grow. And then from there, I want to take my skills. I'm not sure I want to do what I want to do in in between, but somewhere far down the line, hopefully I can become the president of Guyana. Wow, that is a goal. And I will tell you this: you are absolutely right about the competitive environment. You know, any type of elevated world of finance, you have the top of the top, and you have very, very competitive people. And look, it does; it breeds success. Uh, it also can breed a lot of different behaviors along the way. But if you keep certain things in check, there's no doubt it'll instill a level of discipline that very few ever will experience in any other type of job or career path. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And I think honestly, like having spent time around a lot of, you know, aspiring investment bankers, people who have worked in investment banks, people who have been in the industry for like 10, 15 years, like you get this kind of vibe from them that these are, you know, obviously they're hardworking, obviously they're intelligent and they're driven and they're ambitious and whatnot. But at the same time, they're very like down to earth and they're very practical people. Like they're not, I mean, this is the ones that I've met. Obviously there are probably some, you know, bad eggs in the, in the bet, in the bunch, but from the people that I met that have all been more than willing to sit down with me, you know, hop on a call with me, answer my questions. I mean, just the other day I was talking to like the managing director, one of the managing directors of Rothschild in New York. And this guy is like, done some of the craziest deals he advised on the uh, Cadbury craft deal and you know he's definitely accomplished way more than me who's just like a sophomore in college but I mean he was just talking to me about like his dog he was like we were just like sitting in the ice line and he was like hey man don't see a picture of my dog and I was like sure why not and we kind of just you know talked about stuff that wasn't banking and you know at the same time this guy is advising some of the like the biggest merger and mergers and acquisitions in recent history and you know, they're still, they're still, they're still human. At the end of the day, they're still people. They still have interests. They still have passions. They still have, you know, vested hobbies outside of work. And I think that definitely shows. And so you kind of get that balance of like, you know, being obsessed with being the best and doing good work, but also, you know, experiencing the other parts of life that isn't related to finance. Yeah. So you hit on something extremely important and it shocks me that you guys are only sophomores in college. I look at you guys and look, this is why I'm thrilled to have you guys co-hosting this this podcast and media series with me you you're already so much further ahead but what you just said is that yes at the end of the day we're all humans but what i would like to add to that is that always build friendships over than relationships mm -hmm. the fact the most important thing that you probably talked about on that phone was probably that dog yeah whether you know it or not because you reached into kind of a personal level uh, you peeled back some layers of the onion, and if mm -hmm. you mine that relationship properly, it can actually become a mentorship or a friendship down the line, and that will always be worth more than anything you could ever have. Absolutely, and especially like because I mean, I imagine this guy, you know, having worked in the industry for 15 years, and you know, he's obviously in the office a lot. You know, being an investment banker, it's a lot of work. Like, if I was in this position, I would love to talk about anything other than banking, and like you get that vibe from a lot of them. You know, just I mean, again, like the human, like you ask them about, you know, what are they, what are their favorite things to do in the city? You know, what are their favorite sports teams? What do they like to watch? What is their favorite song to listen to? Things like that. 
And with that, you create something that's more than just a professional connection. You create, you know, a real human connection where you're connecting on like a deeper level than just, oh, you work at this bank I want to work for. Let's, I just, let's hope that you can remember my name and then so I can name drop you in the interview. You know what I'm saying? I, I do. Well, Akib, you know this as well because that's exactly how you and I connected. Your outreach and networking uh, initiative led us to each other. But I know you're involved with doing that a lot more. What, who else are you talking to? Who else are you getting in front of? Um, you know, what, what have been the results so far? Uh, you introduced me to uh, George. I don't want to pronounce his last name wrong. Uh, cool. Uh, <laughs> ah, man, I don't want to butcher. Well, uh, we we'll call him name. George K. How about that? Yeah, yeah. George K. Um, from Guggenheim, man. This he's one of the coolest people I've ever met. Honestly, as like. He was the he was the first uh, investment banker I met that was um, that's kind of like around our age, and man, he was just different than I expected. Like Jason, exactly what you were saying, man, just down to earth, cool guy. He was just willing to help me with anything, and he's still willing to help me today. And he's even put me in contact with another guy at Guggenheim named Matthew Masunden, and he's he's just as cool as George. Like these guys are super cool guys, and they're very genuine. And I, I, the things they told me about Guggenheim and their job just make me so interested in investment banking and just working there in general. Oh, that's fantastic. And look, as long as you guys know me, I have an asshole-free policy. Uh, <laughs> I, I do not work with assholes anymore. I've, I've hung up that hat. This is all about enjoying life and working with the people that are passionate and making shit happen. Um, that's what this is all about. So I'm never going to put you in front of somebody who uh, I know you'll end up hating or vice versa. So don't ever expect that from me. <laughs> uh, let me see what else. Yeah, so you talk about network. You talk about what you want to do. Your your career aspirations are absolutely fantastic and phenomenal. Look, you know, with the right steps along the way and the right network, there's no doubt that you can get there. You know, what are some of the other initiatives you're working on outside of uh, outside of the classroom to, to kind of put you towards that path? Uh, well, this this podcast is is the first thing, um, honestly, uh, is one of the first things. This podcast, I hope to meet interesting people with you guys and uh, build our networks and hear inspiring uh, inspiring stories, but not just to inspire ourselves, but inspire others. In addition to this, I'm also uh, working with Carbon Group on um, – on a couple of things, uh, on a, uh, for them, uh, I'm doing a couple projects with them. Um, I'm also working with, uh, actually me and Shane are actually going to go to Guyana in June, I think, for a diaspora conference so we can talk to the local people, uh, local business people there about Carbon Group and just business in general. I'm actually really excited to go back to Guyana. Shane, are you pretty excited to go back? I am. I, I have not been... I have not been back since I was in high school, actually, and I've actually never seen the interior or the Rupanini region, which uh, I'm extremely thrilled to go see, given my adventurous side. Yeah, man, you'd love that. You'd love it out there. You could ride horses, um, shoot guns, uh, you know, just live an adventurous lifestyle. Uh, No, I think it sounds super thrilling, man. yeah, I guess, you know, in order to kind of wrap this up, like, let me ask you this. Who inspires you and, and, and who is someone you would want to pass the mic to if we could get somebody else on a podcast that you have seen as an inspiration? Um, so somebody that like, inspires me. I think my dad is the most inspiring person to me. 
coming from Guyana, a rice farmer, um, in the 90s to come, um, he was a rice farmer his whole life, but he was also a political activist. But for him to be able to come to the United States and get a PhD and get our family to where we are now is honestly, it's, it's actually astonishing to me how he was able to do so much. No, that is absolutely fantastic. I would love to uh, get your dad on the line. Jason, I'm sure you'd love to chat with him too. Uh, I've had the pleasure of actually meeting him once or twice. Very cool dude. You know, gets it. Super smart. I'd be thrilled to get him on this show. So maybe you can help set that up as as next steps. Yeah, man, of course. He's always willing to talk. He was a politician. Yeah, well, we know there's a lot of hot air every time that happens. So, but we know they love to talk, you know, but I think your dad is more about action too. So, you know, yeah, that's, exactly. uh, that's even more important. Yo, is there anything else we should have asked you that we didn't? Um, I don't think so, man. I think you guys, you guys got me covered right here. Well, this has been extremely fantastic. Awesome time chatting with you. Uh, this is Aki Muhammad. I, th- I thank you for uh, listening to my interview today. And I hope you guys uh, and you guys can feel feel free to reach out and uh, email me or call me and ask me other questions if you guys want to get to know me some more. Peace, love, and carbon for all. Yep, this has been a great time chatting with you. Again, this is your host, Shane Varamalay. This is Jason Wang. And Akeem Muhammad. And this is The Power of One. Thank you so much.